Today we're going to begin a brand new series for the month of February entitled Love, Life, and Relationships. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun over the next few weeks kind of talking about those things. Let me just interject real quick. I want to give you a uh, personal invitation to do two things. If you have not purchased your ticket to be a part of our Valentine's Banquet next Sunday, uh, it is limited uh, seating. We open for 40 couples, and so there's some tickets available. Uh, you can see uh, Miss uh, Pam in the back immediately after service and pick up a ticket. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be a great week next week uh, with Brother Rod preaching during the day and our banquet at night. And so we're going to have a great meal, uh, some fun, some fellowship together. And it's just going to be a good time for you to go out and uh, just enjoy a night together. Uh, this Wednesday, I want to reiterate the Lenten service. Uh, about four years ago, uh, the local pastors here in Arab started getting together. And we have about seven to ten guys that meet every month, and we've been praying together and working together now for almost four years. And a part of that process is that we said, you know what, we need to bring the body of Christ together. And so we started doing community-wide events, bringing all the churches together. And one of the things we do is a Lenten service, which begins seven weeks before Easter. So believe it or not, uh, this coming week will be the seven week. We're seven weeks away from Easter, which is just crazy to think, but it's going to be on us before we know it. But we want you to come out. So this Wednesday, we're going to be hosting the first event. It'll be from 12 to 1. We'll have a couple songs of worship. We'll have one of our local ministers will be sharing about a 15, 20-minute word, uh, and then we'll share a meal together. So we're going to have some soups and uh, chilies, I think, and it's just going to be a good uh, time of fellowship. We'll start promptly at 12. We'll have you out of here by 1 o'clock. So if you can come and join us, let's come out. We're going to have a great time. And really just celebrate the body of Christ. How many of you believe people, how many of y'all know that people say all the time churches ought to get together? Do y'all know that? People say it all the time. Well, guess what? We're doing it, so we need to support it. Amen? So I want you to come out uh, Wednesday and be with us to be a part of it. Well, let's talk about love, life, and relationships. How many of you know that uh, those three words really uh, signify an accumulation of, of what our lives are really all about? And we're going to see today uh, that uh, from the Word of God, there are some amazing Amazing truths about love life and relationships that if we will grab hold of will really impact our life. And I want to do a real quick survey this morning. How many of you are here today and you are single? You are unmarried. Raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Be very bold and proud. Now look around and find you a date. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. All right, so the, all right, so all the single hands and I, all you married couples, raise your hand. Anybody in here married? All right. Okay, wonderful. Eight o'clock service. I had to do a third element. I had a couple, one guy never raised his hand. I said, so for all the people that are really confused, just lift your hand up. So anyway, so maybe that's not you. I hope you know where you are. Well, we're going to have some great fun together because what we're going to do is if you're here and you're single, this series is going to be very impactful for you because what we're going to do for all you singles over the next couple weeks is I'm going to give you some biblical yet very practical resources uh, to help you cultivate uh, what could be a lifelong relationship. And so if you're single and you are thinking, hey, one day I would love to be married and I'd love to, you know, just live happily ever after with that wonderful person, you know, that White House and that picket fence and the 2.5 kids that the American family has. You know, if you're, if you're dreaming that dream, then I, we're going to give you some great resources. We're going to give you what, what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, we're going to give people today, uh, we're going to give them guardrails for their life. You ever drove down the highway and seen those guardrails on the side? We're going to give you some, some godly guardrails uh, in your journey 
of life and relationship to help you make sure that you are rightly connecting with the people you need to be rightly connecting with. And if you are a married couple in here today, then we're going to help you hopefully make some adjustments. Maybe see some things in your marriage relationship that you can do a little better, that you can make some adjustments on where you can really elevate uh, what you have in your marriage relationship. But how many of you know that relationships are not just... uh, defined by couples, right? I mean, we have relationships with with our friends. We have relationships with people in church. We have relationships with people on our job. We have family relationships, brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, and cousins. And so what we're going to learn through this whole series is we're going to learn some real practical nuggets from the Word of God on how to cultivate what we're calling godly or healthy relationships so that all of those relationships can begin to flourish and grow. How many of you understand that your life really does ebb and flow uh, by the relationships that you're in. I heard a great statement years ago, an old pastor said this. He said that when God wants to bless you, he brings somebody into your life. And when the devil wants to curse you, he brings somebody into your life. And so we all understand that relationships have the potential to either elevate us to the next level or deflate our, uh, our lives and bring us down paths that maybe we never intended to go down. So we're going to have a great time together. So let's look uh, at our first scripture. It comes out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, and we're going to read verse 22 also. The Bible says, through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God, because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. How many glad that Jesus is raised from the dead? How many glad we're not serving a dead God? Amen. Our God is alive. He is a resurrection God, and he has conquered death hell and the grave and just the testimony from Missy this morning shows us that there is life after death, amen, and that God can resurrect our hearts for brand new beginnings. Look at verse 22. Let's look at the next screen there. It says, and you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. Now those next two words, so now, I want you all to say that with me, so now. Let's say it one more time. So now. So now you must, that's a pretty strong word, you, you must, so this is not an option. So if you're a Christian, if you have experienced the love and grace of Jesus Christ, if you have been cleansed from your sins because you obeyed the truth uh, that comes through God through his son Jesus that you can be saved, then so now you must, not optional, that's the thing I love about the word of God. God, God, God sometimes makes it really easy. He just removes the options. So, so you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply. Y'all say that word with me? Deeply with all your heart. Let's look at the first point on your outline. And I want to just give you a thought we're going to talk about today. God calls us. God calls us to live a life of sincere love, and to be deeply connected to one another. God calls us to that. That is a call from heaven. He said if you've been cleansed, if you've been redeemed, if you've been rescued from your sins, you must love one another with a sincere love and have deep love one for another. So God is calling us into a life of sincere love, and he's calling us to be deeply connected to one another. And the reason he does that is because relationships are central 
to life. We already talked about that. Relationships can elevate you or relationships can deflate you. Relationships can take you to glorious places or relationships can take you through the valley of the shadow of death. And the reality is, is that relationships are really central to life. And I just gave a little final thought right here. Three things. Without relationships, our lives become barren, they become boring, and they become meaningless. I want to talk about those three things real quick. Barren. Let's talk about what does that mean. If I, and, and the reason this is important is because there is a tendency among us as people that when we get hurt by people, we tend to withdraw. Because when you withdraw, when you move to a place of isolation and separation, isolation and separation feels like a safe place. And in reality, it kind of is a safe place. You're not going to be hurt by other people, but you're also not going to be loved by other people. You're not going to experience the sorrow that other people bring, but you're also not going to experience the joy that other people bring. I mean, how many of you know there are some great sorrows, but there are some great joys? I mean, if you're a parent in here today, you understand, man, your kids can break your heart, but they can also make you rejoice. They can put a smile on your face. They can turn your worst day into your greatest day by just some of the simplest acts that they do. Why? Because relationships are central to life. God created us to be relational beings. God created us to interact and to live life together in real relationship. And so we think about this. If, we're, if we disconnect from relationship, we become barren. And the reason we become barren or unfruitful is because you can't do what God has called you to do as a Christian without being connected to other people. I mean, let's just think about two things. Let's just think about the great commandment, right? Jesus said the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And then let's think about the great commission, right? The great commission, Matthew 28, is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the great commandment and the great commission are impossible to fulfill without relationship because you can't love God and love people if you're not in relationship with people. Love actually requires a connection and an interaction among two people. Now think about discipleship for a minute. Think about how do we make disciples. It is impossible to make disciples without relationship. Right, because discipleship is really relationship. It's the interaction and the exchange of people's lives and the work of the Holy Spirit between two people that enables one individual to sharpen another individual to enable us to grow and become who God has called us to be. So if you and I disconnect from real relationships, we actually have disconnected from the call of God on our life to be fruitful as believers in Jesus Christ. You cannot be fruitful. You will be barren if you refuse to be deeply connected to other people. The second thing is life will be boring. Now, I don't know about you. I think God's exciting. I mean, just read your Bible. God is exciting. I mean, he does crazy things like opens the earth and swallows people up and smushes them back together again. I mean, that is great. I read that stuff to Levi and get him fired up, you know, because boys love all that good stuff, you know. And so we talk about that. I'm like, that is, God is exciting. Read the Bible. Read Revelations. God is awesome. Rainbows around his head all these amazing things that define who God is. And, and God is not boring. And, and if you disconnect from real relationship, 
you step back and as I talked about a moment ago, a place of, of, of really a false safety and security. And, and all of a sudden, you begin to live for yourself. We've all met people like this, right? We've all met people that don't care about anybody else, don't think about anybody else. They are self-centered, self-focused, and they live for themselves. And you know what? When you live for yourself, life is pretty predictable because you know what you want, you know what you think, and you know where you want to go. But when you engage in relationship with other people, how I many know relationship with other people makes life very unpredictable? I mean, it makes life very unpredictable. Another word for that is it makes life exciting. There is an excitement and an enthusiasm that happens through relationship because all of a sudden, if I live in isolation and separation, my life becomes predictable, it becomes boring, and it really, as we're going to talk about, it becomes meaningless because I'm disconnected from who God's called me to be. But if I engage in relationship, all of a sudden, there is an unpredictability. Because, man, I, Jessica's my daughter, and I love Jessica, and she is so awesome. And most of the time, I think I got her figured out, and then she just surprises me. Me and Kelly have been married for 25 years, and, and I realized 25 years ago, I'll probably never have her figured out. Amen? But she still surprises me. And, and isn't that amazing? And you know what that does? That keeps life exciting. It keeps, it keeps us, I want you to hear this. It is the unpredictability of genuine relationships that make you dependent upon God. I'm just going to tell you that the areas of my life when I have grown the most is when I'm in relationship with people and all of a sudden something I didn't think about, something I didn't foresee, something I couldn't have predicted happens and I have to walk through something with somebody that I love. And you know what that does? It keeps us in a place of faith and a place of dependency where we're leaning on the Lord. Now, we're going to talk today and over the next few weeks about healthy relationships because I believe we need to build healthy, godly relationships in our lives. But you know what? Your world can never be 100% healthy, godly relationships. And let me tell you why. Because you and I are called to reach lost people. And so maybe 90% of the people in your life are loving Jesus, and maybe of those relationships you can have healthy, godly relationships. But you know what? There always needs to be an element where we are engaging with people that are far away from God, that don't know Him, don't have a relationship with Him. Why? Because God loves them and wants to redeem and rescue them. And isn't it amazing when you think back on your life, there was some Jesus-loving maniac that befriended you when you were not a Jesus-loving maniac. <laughs> And they reached out to you, and they connected to you, and they pursued you. Now, that doesn't mean we go live in sin with them. We don't, we don't sin to win sinners. Amen? But we do engage relationship with people that don't know God. And you know what? That's unpredictable. Because we kind of know what our Christian friends are going to do, but that lost guy out there, man, I don't have no idea what he's even thinking. And he may say something, do something that's just totally off the wall and totally uncalibrated, uncalculated. And I got to, I got to, you know what I have to do? I have to depend on God to give me the grace, the wisdom, the discernment, and the faith to walk through that process with them because God is passionate about their soul. So we're going to talk a lot about creating godly relationships, but let me just challenge you with this little thought that in the midst of that, we need to make sure there are always people in our life that we are pursuing for Christ that need to know Him. And we have to be willing to be vulnerable enough. How many know Jesus was willing to be vulnerable? 
Being stripped naked and crucified sounds pretty vulnerable to me. He was willing to be vulnerable to the nth degree so that me and you could be redeemed and rescued from hell. And so when we disconnect from real relationship, life gets boring because we get self-centered. The last thing, life gets meaningless. See, you lose your purpose when you lose relationship. You lose your purpose when you lose relationship. And if you want to have a purpose-driven, purpose-filled life full of meaning, you've got to be in relationship with people. Because the only thing that really matters is the things that we leave behind in the hearts and lives of other people. The investments that we make in them, sowing the seeds of God's goodness and God's word and God's truth. And sharing the, the wisdom that God has given us as we grow in Him. So let's, let's, let me give you one other thought about relationships. And then I'm going to give you three of our six keys to healthy relationships. I want to give you just a thought this morning. Relationships are vehicles. Relationships are vehicles that transport us into our future and the quality of our lives will be greatly determined by the quality of our relationships. Now here, here's the challenge that happens. Most of the time when you talk about, especially for, for all you single folks that are out there, if you're here today and you're single and you want to be married and you're in that dating world, right? And you're trying to find the right person. And that's, that's fun, right? Isn't that fun? <laughs> Not really, but kind of. <laughs> And so you're in that process, and, and all of a sudden what happens is, is, is that we have to begin, if, if we're going to have godly relationships, we have to learn how to define or measure relationships. Most people measure relationships by their intentions. Well, we intended uh, to serve God together, and we intended to be pure together, and we intended to be holy together, and we in, intended to, to, to do this together, and we intended to do that together. But let me just say this to you. Every relationship you're in today is taking you somewhere. Every relationship you are in today is taking you somewhere, every relationship. And so the measure of a relationship is not its intention, but its direction. What direction is this relationship taking me? Now, again, this is true not just of dating relationships or marriage relationships. This is true of friendships and all kinds of relationships, right? We are a Celebrate Recovery Church, and we love reaching people that are hurting and broken and people that have missed what God has for their life, and we want to see lives redeemed and people set back on purpose. And the thing that I ask, ask guys coming out of addiction many times is I'll ask them this question, how did you get where you are? And 99% and of the time, this is what they'll tell me, I started hanging out with the wrong people. I started hanging out with the wrong people. How did you get addicted? How, how did you go from growing up in a preacher's home to being a drug addict for 20 years? How, how did you grow up from being a straight-A student and a high school superstar to being, to being locked in by, behind bars for 20 years? How did you get there? And almost every time they say, I started hanging out with the wrong people. Why? Because relationships are vehicles. Relationships take you into your future. Every relationship is moving you in a direction. 
And so you have to ask yourself as you measure relationships, what direction is this relationship taking me? Is it taking me into the direction that God has for my life? Is it taking me into a closer walk with Jesus Christ? Is it taking me into my purpose? Is it taking me into holiness? Is it taking me into righteousness? Is it connecting me deeper and further into the path and the plan that God has for my life? Or is this relationship leading me down a road where now I'm having to lie and deceive the people I love because I know if I told them I was seeing this person, they wouldn't approve of it. So I'm not going to tell them I'm seeing this purpose person because I don't want to hear their disapproval. And so I'm now going to be manipulative and lying and deceptive and go behind their back because I intend for it to be a good thing. Direction, not intention, is the measurement of godly relationships. And so what happens as a part of this process, as we begin to cultivate healthy, godly relationships, it also means there are probably some relationships you're in right now. Now, this is not for the married people. If you're married, praise God, hang on. Amen. Listen, you're going to learn something to help you have a better marriage. But for those of you that aren't married and for those of us that are married that have friendships and relationships, right, the reality of cultivating healthy, godly relationships means sometimes there are some relationships that I'm in that I don't need to be in anymore. Because I, my, I intended to reach them for Christ, but the direction is that now I'm living in sin with the sinner instead of drawing the sinner into a relationship of righteousness with God. So the direction did not line up with the intention, so I need to disconnect. Doesn't mean they're a horrible person. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that relationship is not healthy and godly, and they still need to be reached for Christ, but maybe you're not the person to reach them because if you can't stay the course and draw them in, then you're probably not the person that God needs to connect them to him. Y'all good? <laughs> <clears throat> we still having fun today. I told you we was going to have fun. Truth is fun, amen, because it sets you free. All right, so let, let, me, let, me, give you, so let, me, let me give you three keys, or six keys. I'm going to give you three today. Six keys to healthy or godly relationships because godly relationships are healthy. Godly relationships are healthy. Ungodly relationships are unhealthy. And so, again, you measure relationship not by intention but by direction where is it taking you because every relationship is a vehicle that's moving you somewhere so where are they moving you all right let's talk on our first one let's look three scriptures uh, I want to give you from 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 starting verse 3 we're going to just skip down through here a little bit but we're going to see a, a consistent theme here Paul says this he says we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. So 2 Corinthians 6, Paul is really talking about the ministry of the gospel and the ministry that he had been called into. And so Paul said this, look what he said. He said, we are living our lives in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and that no one will find fault with our ministry. Now look at the next verse. We're going to see verse 6. He says, and we prove ourselves. So in this verse, he's going to, he clarifies how does he validate the genuineness of their ministry. This is how he validates that their ministry is godly and pure and holy. This is how it is. He says, we prove ourselves, and he gives us six things, by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, 
by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. Now Paul actually goes on and gives a few other things, but when I read this scripture, the Holy Spirit grabbed my heart and he said, Keith, this one verse gives six keys to godly relationships. And if you want to cultivate a godly, healthy relationship, these are the six ingredients that are really necessary for me and you to have a godly, healthy relationship that produces the life of God and that reproduces His life in other people. So let's look at the next verse. Verse 14, he says, as he's continuing on this thought, he's talking about ministry, he's talking about the proof or the validity of their ministry, and then he says this, he says, And do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness. And so he kind of wraps up this chapter with a warning or with an insight that says, you know what, guys? Man, we, we, we want to have a sincere ministry. We want to live a life that doesn't cause people to stumble. Here's the proof of our ministry. And part of living a life that honors God is making sure that your relationships are not unequally yoked. Now, in, in the Bible, of course, when they said yoke, they understood yoke because they knew what it meant to yoke animals together. They would harness them together through a yoke and they would plow together or work the grounds together and you had to equally yoke animals that could work together at a pace that would produce fruit in the field. And so Paul says, you know what guys, the number one thing you need to understand is you don't need to be unequally yoked together. For all you single people, the number one criteria for a dating relationship is that they be radically, supernaturally in love with Jesus. Not, oh, they go to church occasionally. (laughs) They went Easter last year and Christmas. I meet so many, so many singles that have their hearts broken, and their broken heart could have not been broken if they would have grabbed hold of one principle. Do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Doesn't mean we don't love unbelievers. Doesn't mean we don't reach out to unbelievers. Doesn't mean we don't care about unbelievers. It just means we don't date them. We don't get in ministry together. We don't get in business together. We don't form best friend relationships together with people that are not believers. Why? Because light and darkness just doesn't work together. Light and darkness, have have you noticed when you turn the light on, the darkness leaves? There is no union, there is no fellowship, there is no compatibility between light and darkness. It is impossible for you to have a healthy, godly relationship with a person that doesn't love God. Impossible. You can't do it. So, So I want to just give this word, just real quick, this is not one of the six points, but I just want to encourage all of you singles to grab hold of this and just say, you know what? The, the number one target on a relationship is, first of all, i got to find somebody that loves Jesus and has the fruit of righteousness in their life. We're not talking about missionary dating, right? Y'all know what missionary dating is? You date the lost person so they can get saved. I'm going to be a missionary and go into the dating field. It don't work. You want to be a missionary, we'll send you to Africa. Don't missionary date. Amen? All right, so let's talk about six keys. Let me give you the first three today for healthy relationships. Number one is purity. 
Paul said we prove ourselves by our purity. The word purity literally means to be pure, to be clean, to be unmixed, to be undefiled. So godly relationships are pure. They are pure physically and they are pure spiritually. Now let me just make a what should be an obvious statement, but it's no longer an obvious statement in our world today. Sex outside of marriage is sin. Sex outside of marriage is sin. It's not pure, it's not holy, it's not godly. It doesn't bind you together, it doesn't help your relation. Let me just say this to you. When you are not married and you have sex, you did not strengthen your relationship, you just complicated it. You just complicated it. How did you complicate it? Well, if you get into that relationship and you find out three months later this ain't the person you want to spend the rest of your life with, man, because you've crossed that sexual bridge, now there is a connectivity there that's harder to walk away from. There's an emotional connection. There's a spiritual soul tie because God sees sex as a covenant. And all of a sudden, you're now connected emotionally to somebody that intellectually and rationally you don't want to spend the rest of your life with. So sex does not strengthen or clarify relationships. Sex confuses and complicates relationships outside of the covenant of marriage. Now let me just give you this this thought and I'm going to show you a couple pictures. Here's the thought. The thought is this. The context in which we receive something determines whether what we receive is pure or defiled. Now, let me give you our first picture. How you know when you get thirsty, you know, just forget that you buy a bottle of water, right? Can y'all believe we buy a bottle of water? We spend a lot of money on bottled water. Forget that you buy a bottle of water. And before you started buying bottled water, when you got thirsty, you would go to the kitchen sink, Right? You get you a glass, put some ice in it, and you would fill that cup with water, and you get you something to drink. That is the context in which you would receive water in order to drink. Let me give you another context. Nobody goes there to get a drink of water. Right? Nobody goes there to get a drink. You don't come in the house after you're mowing the yard and say, man, I really need me a drink of water. Go to the, fa- go to the club I and mean, go to the cabinet, get a drink of water, and walk in the bathroom and scoop you up a big old, oh, man, this is good. Now, now let me just give you a real, real quick thought. How many of you understand that the water that goes to your kitchen faucet is the same water that goes to your toilet? The same water. The only difference is the context in which it is delivered. Sex outside of marriage is drinking water from the toilet. Nothing wrong with sex. It's good. It's a good thing. But outside of marriage, you're drinking in a context that now has defiled what God intended to be good. And so the first characteristic for a godly, healthy relationship is there has to be purity, sexual purity. There has to be purity in the realm of our flex. And then there has to be spiritual purity. How many of you know there is a spirit behind every action? The natural word 
that, that the world uses to describe that is motive. There's a motive behind every action. There's a spirit behind everything that happens. How many of you know there are sometimes that people get into relationships and the spirit behind it is wicked? Or the spirit behind it is evil? Or the spirit behind it is perverted? Or the spirit behind it is corrupted? Right, see, we've, I've actually, we see this happen in our church. We've got a great church. We got, I mean, I'm just telling you, if I was a single young guy, I'd come to Liberty. We've got the prettiest, beautiful, most single young girls in Arab, Alabama are flocking right here. And I'm thinking, man, if I was a guy, they are dumb. But anyway, so I see guys, though. I see guys, I, I call them spiritual polecats. Y'all know what a polecat is? Polecat's a skunk. A spiritual polecat. They, they come to church, but they're not looking for Jesus And they're not looking for marriage. They're looking for sex. And their motive, the spirit, so they're, they're talking the Jesus talk. They're doing the Jesus lingo. They're toting their King James Bible under their arm. But their motive is wrong. The spirit behind what they're doing is wrong. And you know what? Sometimes that happens not just in sexual relationships, but sometimes people create friendships and bonds, and, and it's not about a pure, there's not a pure spirit behind it. Sometimes people want to be friends with you because of who you know because they want to use you as a bridge to get somebody else and then when they're done with you, they don't want to talk to you anymore. So godly relationships are pure. They're unmixed, they're undefiled, they are clean, and they promote purity. Godly relationships promote purity. Ungodly relationships defile your purity. Ungodly relationships cause you to compromise your convictions and areas in your life when you know what's right, but because you're in a relationship with somebody that's not doing the right thing, you feel compelled to go with them because they're your friend. And you end up being ensnared in something that defiles you instead of empowered by something that purifies you. The second characteristic is understanding. This is a neat word in the Greek. Godly relationships are understanding. They have a common knowledge. The word understanding there literally in this verse means to have a common knowledge or intelligence. There is a compatibility. I want you to see this. There is a compatibility that creates intelligent conversation and interaction. If you are a single person and you are looking for a lifelong relationship, you need to make sure, number one, there's purity, but number two, there needs to be understanding. There needs to be some compatibility, a common knowledge, a common interest, a common understanding, so you can actually have intelligent conversations with one another. See, that, that's really significant. It's significant that we are compatible with the people that we're trying to merge our lives with, especially in dating relationships with the goal of marriage, because you don't want to marry somebody, and then after you've been married about three months, realize you don't have anything to talk about. Or that all your interests are totally in opposition to all her interests, and we don't even have a common ground. And so there needs to be an intellectual understanding. There needs to be a common knowledge that you share with that person. Now, it doesn't have to be everything. It doesn't have to be 90% of things. It doesn't have to be 75% of things. But there needs to be enough common ground that you don't sit down to eat dinner together and after 15 minutes you're looking at each other thinking, this is really weird. I wish he'd say something. <clears throat> I mean, we've all sat down, right? You ever went and ate, ate with somebody or talked with somebody and after about five minutes you're like, uh -huh. Nice weather we're having. 
because you don't run out of things to talk about. If you're single and you're looking for a mate, somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with, having understanding, a common knowledge, and a common interest, and sharing that so you can have intellectual relationship together is really, really important. So you need to know the direction you're going, and you need to find somebody that's going in that direction that has similarities in their heart and their passions. Now, for all you married folks that are out here, maybe you're married, and you say, Pastor Keith, that's us. Man, we've been married for 25 years, and we used to talk about the kids, but now the kids have grown up, and the kids have moved out, and now we don't have anything to talk about. We don't have any common interests. Let me give you a great revelation. Here's something Kelly and I uh, have just watched some of our friends do. We got, we got a couple that we're friends with. And, uh, and they're in that season. Their kids have grown up. Their kids have moved out. And, and they realize they used to talk a whole lot about their kids. And now their kids aren't there to talk about so much. And so they're looking at each other saying, what do we talk about? And so you know what they did? They were really smart. They said, hey, we're going to go create a new hobby together. We're going to learn something new together and cultivate that. And I can tell you, in the last year and a half, I have seen their marriage flourish. I mean, flourish just because they made a decision. Hey, you know what? We've had common understanding. Our lives revolved around our kids. I mean, if you're married, you know, your kids, your world gets consumed by your kids, right? And it seems like that's all you talk about and all you talk about and all you talk about. Well, one day they move up, praise God, hopefully, and move out. Amen? Right? One day. <laughs> And so you need to cultivate that. And, and a simple way to do that in a marriage relationship is say, hey, let's just learn something new. Let's do something we've never done before, and let's do it together. And let's just build a new common interest. Now, hopefully you love Jesus, so you can always talk about Jesus. You can always talk about God. You can always talk about those things. Kelly and I, we talk about our family and the church, 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 our family and the church. So when we go off to be alone, we say, one more one rule, you can't talk about the church. Because that's what we talk about all the time. And then sometimes we have to think, well, what do we talk about then? Because we talk about the family in church and the family in church. And so, you know what? It's a good thing to understand. We can always be cultivating new levels of understanding. And say, so, hey, let's do something together we've never done before. Let's create a new hobby, a new interest, and let's grow in that together. Amen? All right, let me give you a third. Patience. This is a neat word. It's not the word we talked about a few weeks ago. It's a different Greek word for patience. God and relationships are patience. It literally means uh, to have stability and to have the self-restraint that does not retaliate a wrong. Patience creates longevity and creates a covenant mentality. Let me give you this thought real quick. So think about patience here for a minute. If you're going to have a God relationship, you need patience. Number one, a, patient rela a relationship with patience creates stability. So when I'm in a godly relationship, that relationship makes me more stable instead of unstable. Now think about that because some of you right now are in relationships with friends. And you know when you get around that certain friend, you become unstable. You become compromising. You begin to waver in your thinking and your processes and your actions. And so 
a godly relationship is patient. It creates stability. And then the next part of that verse or that word is that it, it creates a self-restraint that does not retaliate a wrong. How you know there are some people that can get on your nerves like that? And I mean, it's like they just look at you wrong and you're like, you know, you want to just jump right down their throat. And You know, I know y'all are holy, y'all don't do any of that, but people you know do that stuff. And so you can tell them about this message when you get home. Right? So, so you know, there are people that sometimes really get on your nerves and, and they just aggravate you and it just seems like no matter what they do, they just aggravate you. Let me just say, don't marry that person. See, godly relationships have patience. They have, they have a self-restraint because there are some people in your life, it doesn't matter what they do, you're like, oh, it's all right. Oh, it'll be okay. Oh, we'll just work through that. Oh, you broke the car, you broke the house, you broke, oh, we'll just get a new one. It'll be all right. It's the way all you grandparents treat your grandbabies, right? I mean, my daddy used to beat me for stuff or my kids got away with. I'm like, that is crazy, right? You know, you break something and they're wearing you out. Your grandkids break something. It's like, man, did you see how hard he threw that ball? That was amazing. Like, whoop him, you whoop me for that? What's up with that? Right? There's a self-restraint. There's this thing in you that says, you know what, I'm not wanting to retaliate. How many know retaliation will self-destruct a relationship? When you get in a relationship where it's all about, I'm going to get back at you, and you said this, and so I'm going to say this, and you treat me this way, and I'm going to treat you this way, and all of a sudden there's this retaliation problem. You talk about destroy a relationship, it'll destroy it in a heartbeat. But the patience of God, when we walk in this patience, when we allow this element to be in operation in our relationships, all of a sudden, man, there's a stability and there's a self-restraint. And what does that do? It creates longevity and a covenant mentality that says, well, man, I'm in this. Till death do us part, right? I did a wedding yesterday, for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. Till death do us us part and you know I'm like brother Rod I've never once thought about divorcing Kelly I thought about killing her about three times but other than that it's been really good right how many know God wants you to have healthy relationships how many know these three things really can catapult us if we will just begin to measure relationship by the standard of the word I'm gonna give you one last thought Stephen's gonna play he's wrapping me up here we're time to go y'all ready to go we got one more minute let me give you this let me give you this. We're going to look at the next three in two weeks. Brother Rod will be preaching next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, we're going to finish this series. Here's what you got to do. You got to guard your heart. You got to fix your eyes. You got to mark your path, and then you got to stay the course. If you want godly relationships, if you want a godly marriage, and you are married, and you want your marriage to be godly, if you're single and one day you want to be married, Wherever it is, if you want your friendships and your relationships with your children to be healthy, this is what you got to do. You got to number one, guard your heart. You got to set a guard over your heart. You got to fix your eyes on what it is God has called you to do. You've got to mark your path. You got to clear a path. Say, this is the direction I'm going in. And any relationship that veers me off the direction that God's moving me in is probably not a healthy, godly relationship. And then I'm going to stay the course. Let's read this scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. We're going to close with this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Look at the next verse. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. 
You need to pay attention to the people you're hanging around, who you're listening to, because their words have an ability to sway your life. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Guard your heart. Fix your eyes. Mark your path. Stay the course. And you know what will happen? Godly relationships will begin to rise up around you. The relationships you're in will get stronger. The new relationships that you build will be cultivated through the filter of the Word of God. And all of a sudden, godly relationships will begin to rise up. Let's stand to our feet. I want our prayer team to come up front. Go back to that one point. Can you do that, that last point on the screen, Tanya, that I didn't say, and I want to say it. I want to hit our singles right here. Let me give you this. For all our singles out here, I heard this statement made. It's really a good brain teaser. It's going to make you think. Stop looking for the right person and start becoming the person that you're looking for is looking for. Stop looking for the right person and start becoming the person that you're looking for is actually looking for. Free yourself of that weight of i got to find somebody and i got to find somebody fast. Let me tell you something. Time is your friend. It is not your enemy. And I don't care how old you are and how single you are and how single you may feel. As long as you spend all your attention looking out here instead of looking in here, you'll never become the person that you're looking for that's looking for. Focus on yourself. Let me give you a real quick key, all you married folks. Let me give this to you. The greatest key to success in your marriage is to change, to ask God to change you instead of spending all your time asking God to change them. If you want to see change in your marriage, Stop praying, God, change her, change her, change her. Change him, change him, change him. And start saying, God, show me where I need to change. And start right there. Success in relationships always happens when we begin to work on ourselves and let God work in us.